1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to Outposts of Heaven, the podcast. We're super excited you have decided to join us today or tonight, or I guess there's not really another option besides today or tonight, right? Nope. Is there an in between? No. This twilight? This morning's star. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so we're super excited to have you here. Uh, we have a really cool guest on, but I'm going to let Emily kind of do the intro for that.
0: Okay. Yeah. So we have Nicole Horlocker with us today from Thought Boss Coaching. Um, Nicole is a professional life coach who specializes in healing trauma and anxiety, and turning your challenges into growth. She's a full-time mom and full-time coach who loves books, donuts, and all the fancy things. She always is up for a deep conversation. Hates dancing in public, me too. Um, But somehow loves to make a fool out of herself on Instagram Reels, which you're really good at, by the way. I love watching this. (laughs) Oh, I hate
2: them so much.
0: (laughs) Really? You don't look like you hate them. You look like you're having a
2: good time. That's good. That's good. It's funny how we can like be so silly on the internet and then like, we're so scared when we're in front of other people. Like, no, I couldn't possibly dance or make a funny face, but yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, even though you don't have like, like random reels that'll go viral, and you'll get hundreds of thousands of people watching it, but yeah. it's different than yeah, like 10 yeah. people in, in, in person. That's so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All yeah. right. Very important question. You said donuts. What's your favorite donut?
2: All right. This is maybe controversial, but there is a maple buttercream donut at Harmon's. We live in Southern Utah and we have a Harmon's. And mm-hmm. I first tried a maple buttercream donut. When I was on a trip to like the East, I was in Ohio and there's this random donut shop and it was the best donut I ever had. And I still haven't forgotten it like years later. <laughs> like the thing. I was like trying to describe it to my husband. Like, okay, it was a maple donut, but it wasn't like the normal glaze. Like, I just didn't know there was like a such thing as a maple buttercream donut. It's just mm-hmm. like, like buttercream frosting. Anyway.
1: Totally. Famous I've, I've never <laughs> heard of buttercream foxing. Oh, we'll have to...
0: On a donut, no. On a we'll, cake, yes. We'll no. have
1: to search out butter. I it like buttercream. so delicious. Yeah. Mm. I'm on. super boring. I like my favorite donuts probably just because of nostalgia. It's just the Krispy Kreme glazed like chocolate original? Donut. Yeah. Oh, no, no. The glazed yeah. chocolate. Glazed chocolate. Glazed yeah. with the chocolate. Yeah.
2: Krispy Kreme is... It's
1: hard to beat. They're just so fluffy. Yeah. Well, and when, so we, we served our mission in... In Moscow, and there was a, oh, cool, um, there was a Krispy Kreme on Red Square, and nice. so it was wasn't that far from our church building, like the central building mm-hmm. in Moscow. And so when we came for transfers, we'd always walk over and, and get donuts, and it was like the most American thing we could do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: so. yeah, that's yeah. Okay, so your coaching company is called Thought Boss. Can you tell us a little bit about where that concept came from for you? And what it means um,
2: to you? Well, what is interesting is the way that I got into coaching was actually from like really feeling like I was supposed to. I was meditating at the time. I had another small business, um, and I was listening to podcasts, just kind of doing you know personal self development and really like spending a lot of time like pondering, sitting in the sun, meditating, trying to connect to God, um, and. As soon as he told me that I was supposed to quit my um small, I was just making little wooden baby gems. They were cute, it was growing, it was doing well. As soon as he told me I was supposed to quit that and go full-time with coaching, I was kind of like, okay, well, what am I supposed to call it? And sat down and that name came within like five minutes. And wow. it hasn't changed since. And I just decided, all right, I'm sticking with it. And it has always served me well. There's it's it kind of describes me perfectly um, where i like to be in charge and don't like to be a victim. That's just like, that's the story of my life is I've I've chosen to never be a victim and it has served me so well. And I want everybody else to feel the same way.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that all of your content is totally focused on the fact that we have our agency that we are in control of our thoughts and that like we don't have to be the victim and we can we can overcome anything with the power of thought so I love that
1: yeah yeah. No, I, I was really excited when Emily told me that she got you to agree to or that you agreed to come on with us I
0: got her to she agree got, to it she got, I'm conniving
1: um, <laughs> because this is a like this was a really foundational principle like my childhood growing up and my religious experience and um and so I, I'm really excited about this because I think there is a a dearth of this idea in society. Um there's it's not a real common thing for people to say you are responsible for your feelings and for your thoughts, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of like blaming of other people going on. Yeah. At in every area of society.
2: Yeah. And we're not really at fault for that. The thing is we have a uh like what we would call in normal, like religious talk, it would be like, there's a part of us that's human. And then there's a part of us that's divine. Right. And the Mm -hmm. part of this that is human, I always call it like our survival instincts, our survival brain. It likes to exert as little energy as possible. And so it will deflect all responsibility to everyone else for every circumstance that we have. So it's, it's honestly just an instinct. It's not because we're lazy or because we hate other people. It's just like, that's the easiest way is to be like, well, I'm right. not responsible for that. Like, darn it. I guess I just have to sit here and be upset about it.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess like just, to some degree agency is nothing more or nothing less than like the divine portion of ourselves telling mm-hmm. the human portion or the, 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 the yeah. mortal portion, like, Hey, like you don't get to make choices because if the mortal yes. portion is just making choices of its own accord, It's just going to go the path of least resistance. But then when the divine portion of the body comes in and says, Hey, no, like I'm in control of this, like I'm making a conscious decision. That's what agency is, right?
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. Can you maybe tell us about a time when this was really pivotal? This concept was really pivotal for you. Yeah.
2: So when I was growing up, um, had kind of a rough childhood. My parents, they were actually great parents, like full of tons of love and they really loved each other, but they also were kind of troublemakers. They met in juvenile detention. (laughs) They um, (laughs) were totally in love with each other, but you know, there was a lot of fighting. They started to get into drugs and it just really wreaked havoc on their lives. And unfortunately my little brother and I were put in foster care after a judge deemed that my parents couldn't take care of us. And, I've always kind of had this attitude of like, okay, like I'm going to take care of everyone, you know, cause my parents weren't there to take care of us. They weren't being responsible enough and, you know, in and out of jobs and just, it was
1: hard. And was so, your brother younger than you or older than you?
2: Yeah, exactly. Two years younger. Um, okay.
1: So very much. You're like, I have to be the one to yes, protect yeah. and take control.
2: Okay. Yeah. I was like his little mama bear. And so for us to be placed in foster care, especially, you know, in, in homes that people didn't, um, they didn't care about us like their own kids. You know, it was kind of a nuisance to have us. We were little kids. My brother was, you know, five years old, like any five-year-old boy he was wild and crazy. And, um, anyway, so I felt this need to protect him. And I think that kind of carried into after, you know, all of that was over. We had been through a few foster homes. We were finally adopted about four years later. And, um, I think I just decided like somebody has to be the grown up here. Somebody has to um, like tell everybody that's going to be okay, you know? And I I just decided to take on that role. So I don't think I ever allowed myself to be in the victim place. And Mm -hmm. I didn't ever realize it was a choice until a lot later on. It didn't feel like a choice at the time. It just felt like who I was. Like that's Mm -hmm. always just who I was meant to be. I was just always here to protect and make sure that everybody like feels empowered and feels good. And it's kind of like in my DNA. So yeah, that, that's like the earliest example. Um, and unfortunately I don't like to use my brother as a counter, um, you know, like the opposite because, because we very much were victims, you know, mm-hmm. of, of right. Absolutely. Hard circumstances and we could totally take that on very mm-hmm. justifiably, but I just realized it was never going to serve me. And, um, once I realized that, I was like, oh, this doesn't ever have to be a part of my story that I um, don't love, that I was not in control, or that doesn't serve me. It never has to be. I could just choose for this to be like this amazing, growing experience and opportunity. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I'm, I imagine that you have, you know, since this is your platform and, and kind of your primary message, you've come in contact with a lot of people who haven't made that choice yet. Yeah, uh, or who made the opposite choice. Yeah. So in, if in your experience, w- what is the deciding factor right, between deciding to be a victim versus deciding to not be a victim?
2: Yeah. So what happens is I offer, it's a consultation. I hate that word because it is a lot more magical than that. And what happens in that call is I just show them, I help them visualize, this is what your life could be like if you were having different thoughts, which means you're having different feelings and you're having different actions. I just want you to see that. And in that moment, they're given a choice. Like, do I want to choose this or do I want to stay where I am? And I don't blame them either way. I just offer like, there's a different version of your life that could be playing out right now. And so once they see it, And I do a little bit of coaching where they're like, Oh, I never realized that before. And it kind of changes like how they feel about themselves. Then I'm like, we just apply that principle to every other part of your life and like, make it what you want it to be. We could choose it. And so they Mm -hmm. have to be presented with like the vision of it. And then also the possibility, like actually believe that this could be possible for their lives. And so that's to help people believe in themselves enough and realize like, this is something that you could have that you never knew existed. We're not raised realizing that the things that are going on in our head are paramount to everything else on the outside that we're creating instead of responding. We're taught to respond to everything right. instead of to create everything.
0: Yeah. yeah. I really like that, that you allow them to make that visualization because it, it's true. Like it's a completely different life because your thoughts lead to feelings and feelings lead to action so if you're acting in a certain way your life is going to be completely different so
1: that's interesting yeah and this might be a little bit of an elemental question but one of our goals for this platform is to give uh, our listeners kind of um real world applications so things that yeah. they can take from this and say hey i want to improve my life this way from this podcast right so right. i'm better i'm I know how to better myself after listening to this. And they're not just wasting their time listening to Emily's beautiful voice. I mean that, that, <laughs> that wouldn't be a waste just listening to Emily's beautiful voice in itself. But if we can add something to her beautiful voice, you yeah. saved
0: know. yourself. So good job.
1: Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so uh imagine you're talking to somebody and you're yeah. trying or you're trying to help them realize uh that they are they are treating themselves as a victim or they are starting to they're starting to think like that, like they're going down that path. Mm-hmm. Um, how, what are some easy ways for them to kind of identify those thoughts or that thought process in their mind? Cause I imagine most people mm-hmm. don't think of them, don't think that they are victimizing themselves. Yeah. Um, we generally think that we're a good per- like we're good people and that we're well balanced. Right. And yeah. it's hard for us to identify those things internally.
2: Yeah. So I would I'm going to give you the example of like a mom who has little kids. A lot of times moms can feel very victimized by their children. Um, mm. Not on purpose because <laughs> we love our kids, <laughs> um, but the thing that happens, so our brains create pathways that they like to their, their pathways of thought and they're repeatable and our brain does that to save energy. So when a mom first has a baby, Um, and that baby is crying all the time and they need things from the mom all the time. Um, the mom starts to create these pathways in her brain that say like my, I'm essentially like enslaved to my baby. (laughs) Like I do everything that my baby needs and my job is to respond to the baby's, um, cries. And so we don't realize that we've created that thought pattern. It's a great thought pattern to have because it keeps our baby alive, right? It really is about survival. Mm -hmm. And then the baby grows up and becomes a child. And (laughs) that um, those thoughts that we had about the baby are still there. We're still always on high alert. If you're, if you're a mom, you, you always know what your kids are doing. There's always a part of your brain. That's listening to what they're doing. And in, this place of like, I'm ready to respond instead of what it could be, which is like, what do I want today to look like? I could actually choose. My kids are old enough right now. I can totally choose what every day looks like. I can't always choose their moods, but I have a heavy influence on their moods. And they're not like, if they're hungry, I can tell them you have to wait until 12 o'clock. We're going to have lunch at 12 o'clock, right? I can be in creation mode. And so for that mom, I would just have her notice, all right, when I'm doing the dishes, when I'm folding the laundry, when I'm driving in the car, where is my brain going? And, and the first question we have to ask is what's in my body right now? What am I feeling? Usually it's kind of this like underlying anxiety. It's like a gentle anxiety. It's kind of a calm, but there's something buzzing under the surface. That's why we're so tired at the end of the day is because there's a switch <laughs> that's always on always looking for something <laughs> to, that's going on. Right? It helps to just explain the chemistry of your body. Right. And so she would probably say, yeah, I do always feel like this. Like I'm on, um, feeling in my body I'd say, okay, where is that? Right. It's in my chest. Sometimes it's in my gut. Sometimes it's in my hands. I'm like, and, and what do you do? You're kind of running all over the place. Like these feelings create these actions. Right. And so we notice the feelings, we notice I'm anxious, I'm afraid, I'm frustrated, I'm nervous, I'm cautious. We notice those feelings, but we don't realize that they were created by thoughts. So we've got to stop and ask, usually I ask them to just write a journal page of like, what are you thinking right now all the time? What are the thoughts that are on loop? And it's usually like, oh, I don't know if my kids are getting enough sleep. Like, I think I heard somebody sniffle last night. What do I make for dinner? Like, I made this last night, so I can't make this tonight. Um, Oh, crap, I forgot to go to the grocery store. It's this ongoing, critical, anxious underlying tone of like, what could happen and how can I prepare for it? And it makes you really anxious as a mom. We don't realize that those thoughts create anxiety, and we don't realize we could change them too.
1: I feel like you're you're speaking to our experience of the past. I know. I'm very are good at that. Yeah. Yes. yeah. we, are. we
0: have, I'm like uh, this is me. Yeah. We yeah we have right four now. kids,
1: five and under, so this is yeah. very much our life. <laughs>
2: yes, exactly. So it just helps to know, all right. Like this is actually optional, and so I kind of like to go into this place of like, if I wasn't feeling this, what would I be feeling? Like, if I want to go on vacation, how do I want to feel on vacation? I want to feel calm. I want to feel peaceful. I want to feel connected to my kids. Connected is a different thought than tied, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a beautiful, full of light connection where we're in the same energy, sharing the same love and feeling in our home, and not like I have to do everything that the kid needs. Oh, I have to go over here. I have to go over here. That's like, it's like the opposite of connection because it feels yeah. very forced
1: right well and I, I like mm-hmm. what, i like this this train of thought because it's <clears throat> it's not just that we're not seeing ourselves as victims it's that we are mm-hmm. seeing as our, ourselves as the boss right As like in control of, of yeah. our thoughts yeah. right and so and it seems like that's a, a dichotomy It's so it has to be one or the other but i think there's mm-hmm. there's like there's gray area in between and yeah. so it's it's moving away f- from this idea of not just not being a victim, but like I'm going to actively participate and control these things. Because yeah. when I was thinking about this originally, I was thinking like, okay, uh, just stop focusing on like being uh, fatalistic about everything. Yeah. But it's it's more than that, right? It's, it's being proactive and yeah. and cre- it's like the creation phase as opposed to just yeah. avoiding. Blame or blaming other people. Yeah.
2: So, where it starts, where we start off is just noticing the thoughts that are happening in our head. Oh, I'm noticing from a place of curiosity, like, oh, I never realized my brain was always so on edge. I never noticed I was always asking the question Am I doing a good enough job? What's wrong with me? And so just noticing that our brain naturally just offers us thoughts, it offers them to us and we just eat everything up because we think, oh, the thoughts in my brain, that's just who I am. That's just like, that's what I think. That's what's true. That's what like I want to think, but that's not necessarily true. All the thoughts are always coming from this survival side of your brain until you ask the other side. You could ask the other side, well, what do you think about this? So I'm doing dishes. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I totally forgot. We were supposed to do this project. I have to run to Target. And then I'm like, oh, I noticed my brain wanted to go down this spiral of there's never enough time. And I always have something to do. And I don't know if I can do it. And I'm just noticing like, oh, I'm so interested. So curious that my brain always wants to do that. And like, if I ask this other part of me what it thinks about this, what would it say? And instantly you can come up with something instantly. It's going to say something like, don't worry about it. Like the most important part of tonight is just like loving your kids or you guys will get the project done. And even if it's not perfect, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Like there's this confident side of us that we can all tune into that. We just don't, we haven't like, it's so dusty and in the corner that we just like have never asked it because survival brain is just like running the show. Like, nope, nobody (laughs) listened to anybody else. Like I always (laughs) say we have like a board of directors in our head. And survival brain, like, thinks that its opinion is the only one that matters. And yet there's, like, this beautiful, like, divine goddess, like, full glowing. I think of her as, like, Mother Nature. She's, like, so wise. And you can just ask her, like, what do you think? And she's going to tell you, like, the deepest, most beautiful wisdom. And you noticing that you have a choice in that moment, I could listen to this one over here that's just trying to help me survive. Or I could listen to this one that, like, really knows me and knows where I'm trying to go and knows how I want to feel. And like, has all the wisdom and you just make a choice in that moment. And, and the important part about what I teach is like, what happens when I make the choice is you have to ask, like, is anxiety serving me? We might think like, oh, if I stop feeling anxiety, then I'll never get anything done. And I'll like be super like chill. and like, I don't care what happens. <laughs> fine. But it's not true. When we're feeling anxious, we actually do everything at like half capacity. It's not actually <laughs> serving us. But what would service is like connection or wisdom or calm, right? When I'm calm or I'm determined, like we could pick so many different emotions that would serve us better than the constant anxiety we're usually feeling.
1: Right.
0: I know you have kids. So how are you kind of raising your kids to have this mindset? Because I'm just like, wow, I don't want my kids to, to go their whole life, not realizing this until they're an adult, you know? Yeah. Um, and I imagine that you bring this into your family. Yeah, this, sure. this concept.
2: Yeah, we do a lot with feelings. Um, and the thing that I teach them with feelings is like every feeling is totally valid and we don't want to push any of them down. And so if they're feeling really sad, you know, my son was upset about something the other day. And if you're kind of like a positive mindset person, like you love to read books and you love to listen to podcasts, your first instinct would be to go to the kid. And be like, listen, don't think like that. Like, it's going to be okay. Like your friends really like you and you're going to do really great. And we really just like skip over like that negative part that came up, which just teaches them like the only valid things that you could think are positive thoughts. And what I want to teach them is like, oh, your brain offered you a thought that makes you feel really sad. I notice you're crying. Let me cry with you. Let me just hold you while you cry. And then once the energy of that feeling goes away, then I can ask like, well, how do you want to feel about this? Because a big like um, misconception about thought work is that we just want to think ourselves into happiness all the time. And that's the opposite of true. What we really mm-hmm. want to do is have this full human experience of like, sometimes I feel so sad. Sometimes I feel so angry. And sometimes I feel like really disconnected. And when we tell ourselves that one feeling is better than the other, then we're like, really stopping ourselves from learning the lessons that we can learn in really deep negative emotions. And we're turning off our feelings, both positive and negative. So we want to have this rich experience of feelings. So I just try to help my kids recognize, oh, wow, I'm feeling so much anger in my chest right now. Yeah, you are. How does that feel? Would you like to punch a pillow? Would you like to yell? (laughs) Like whatever it is, like, I just want you to know it's okay to feel that way. You're a human and allow those emotions and help them express them in an appropriate way. So I'll say something like, no, you can't hit me. You can't hit your brother, but you could punch this pillow. You're not, you can't hurt the pillow and we could just get that energy out. <laughs> How does that sound? And usually like at first they're not really a big fan of it. They don't want me to like step in and then I'll see them doing it later. Right. Cause they are learning. From me. Yeah. Yeah
0: yeah one thing that we kind of just started doing recently because there's been a lot of fighting in our house, yeah like he he did this, and I'm so angry because she did this or whatever, but yeah, um just like trying to help them understand that that like you're so angry and also like she can't make you do something like she can't yeah. make these things. She can't make you feel this way, even though it seems like she can because she did this thing that makes you angry. Mm-hmm. Like you still have like a choice in that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't know. We're kind of like newly starting this. Well, that's so. something
1: that's like was big in, in my childhood that okay. like there's you can never blame somebody else for your actions, right? Yeah, even right. if even if like their like actions serve as like the impetus for you making a decision, um, like in the end, like you have ultimate responsibility for for anything you do. Right. So like yeah. when we try with our kids, we say, like, if you do like you did this and they may have even been wrong, but your reaction is your reaction. And yeah. so even if you were giving into your, <laughs> into your body, cause they're like three yeah. and five. So they are just yeah. giving into the survival instinct. Like, even if you are giving, just giving into it, we are holding you accountable for it. Yeah. Right. Cause you need to learn that you have to be accountable for your actions. Um, and you can't just blame other people around you because there's no way out of that, right? And it's a hard thing. Um, you know, I think it's it's a really prevalent idea in society right now when we're talking about like generational poverty or the effect of slavery a hundred years ago and and all those kinds of things. It's really easy to look at this and say, you know, like just like you and your brother, like you guys were actually victimized, right? Like you were actually victims. And so from a societal perspective, it's, we, we want to say, Oh, look, you were victims. We need to change things to make it easier for you, whatever it is. But in actuality, the only thing that sets you free as an individual is to not think of yourself in those terms.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: And it's hard because some people don't really want to hear that. And so when I first learned about all of this, I just wanted to tell everybody, And people are like, "Mm, that's really rude. (laughs) You can't tell me I'm not a victim. And so I learned, all right, I've got to let people choose if they want to feel like a victim or not. And I want Mm -hmm. to give them the option that they don't have to, but I'm not going to make them. I'm I'm just going to love them and feel bad for them if they want to feel bad. Mm -hmm.
0: So how has taking control of your own thoughts and teaching others how to do the same, how has that brought you closer to Jesus Christ?
2: Um. Well, number one, I have felt so grateful to him, um, for just giving me the power of creation over my own thoughts that feels, um, and, and even over the things around me, it feels like he gave me more than I really deserved, but it's kind of cool. Cause he's allowing us to experiment. Um, and then also just realizing Like once you know that some of your thoughts are coming from survival mode and some of them are coming from like yourself and some of them are coming from the spirit, then you recognize, oh, some of them also are probably coming from like the bad side and like they're very well disguised as like, oh, this is a helpful judgment or you're doing a really great job at this. I wish so-and-so would do a good job at this. So I can always notice if I ever see judgment or shame or um, pride as the feeling that's showing up, I do kind of like a little thing on paper where I'm like, here's the thought and here's the feeling it creates. So if I notice that any of those feelings come up, I know that none of those ever served me. And so I can just assume that the thought that created it was from the devil or from my like carnal side.
1: Yeah. Well, I like that you kind of separated those two. Like they're two it could be from devil or from your own carnal side, because yeah. um, sometimes what in in religious communities, not just in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, we talk about thoughts or ideas or like temptations or yeah. promptings as coming either from Satan or yeah. from or, or from Heavenly Father. Yeah. Um, but I was I was actually lucky enough to be in a meeting one time um, with David A Bednar who is an apostle in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And there was a psychologist, was he a psychologist or psychiatrist? I think it was a psychologist um, who was able to ask Elder Bednar a question. And, and Elder Bednar, or he, he said something to the effect of uh, trying to, f- he's counseling missionaries a lot, and he's trying to figure out how to help them understand where, where they're thoughts and temptations and promptings are coming from and uh, he said something to the effect of like are there more than two sources right more than just uh satan or heavenly father and elder bednar said you know i think there are you know there are definitely more than two and i'm thinking maybe you i can't i don't want to quote him because <laughs> I, 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 mm-hmm. I but basically saying like there there are lots of different things influencing us and inside our own selves we can create you know, kind of at least two voices, right? We have our, yeah. our, our physical side and our spiritual side. And it's not just a, um, it's not just a, uh, you know, there's an old native American tale of like the, the boy with, of like the, the two wolves, right? Like yeah. the oh, good yeah, wolf yeah. and the bad wolf. Like which wolf are you going to feed? Right. Them? And so I think that's a really powerful image, but it's even deeper than that. Cause that makes it seem like it's just like two equal portions of ourselves but in uh, I, I believe that we are we are dualistic beings that we have a physical body and then we also yeah. have a like a, a spirit that's eternal yeah. and so like those two things th- those two entities are kind of in conflict with each other at mm-hmm. first at least right like we're trying to master one or one's trying to master the other yeah. um, and so we can as we make one stronger we give it more power to, to give us thoughts, right? Like we were talking about.
2: Yeah. Yeah. One thing I wanted to say is that um, I like half of my people are not religious. Um, But the interesting thing is that when we speak the truth, the spirit always testifies of it. You can always feel what's true. Yesterday, my client held up her arm. She's like, look at the goosebumps. And it just Mm -hmm. rang true. And I think the truth rings true. I think that the reason that bad thoughts feel bad is because they're not true. So anytime that we're feeling judgment, we're feeling shame, we're feeling like unnecessary guilt, like the kind of bad that just feels like I want to die bad. <laughs> Those are the thoughts that are not true. I think that they're like really useful negative emotions, like sadness and compassion, but they're not low thoughts. They're just like, they're sad thoughts. They're like, I'm missing something good thoughts.
1: Yeah, no, it's the full spectrum, right? Yeah. Of, of, of emotion, because for some reason, our, our society is so focused on just positive emotion like yeah. that's the only good thing is positive emotion right and yeah. you see it like in the mu- in music we listen to and in the movies we watch yeah. everything like marvel movies and like all movies have to be hilarious now like, they always have yeah. to be funny because it has to have nothing yeah. but really high positive emotions
2: oh yeah they're like always happy we all just want positive emotions i think it's just because we don't even know how to handle like sadness anymore And like, when it comes up, we're like, oh no, like something has gone wrong here. Like, I can't feel sad. I have to hurry. And what we do is we distract ourselves from the feeling, but scientifically our feelings are just energy. Our brain has all of the things that it needs to create any chemical reaction that it wants to. And when we tell it something, then it creates the chemical and it sends it into our bloodstream and it goes throughout our whole entire body. And that's where the emotions go. So a lot of times we can fill it in our gut because the energy will like, collaborate right there in the middle. um, And you can actually feel like a real something in there, right? That's always where I feel anxiety. And so I teach people how to allow their emotions to be there, to stop resisting them, to tell them it's okay. It's totally fine to feel anxiety. It's just there. And then to let it go is to, you have to first ask it like, okay, what do you want to tell me? What are you afraid of? Like, (laughs) is there something that I can do for you? And we actually have a conversation with any feeling that is in there. And we just listen to it and eventually it goes away. But most of the time we just kind of stuff down whatever we're feeling because we're afraid to feel the negative emotion. We're afraid of what that might create and that we'll never get out of it.
1: Yeah. I'm about to get really nerdy. And like five people who listen might know the reference I'm making. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Um, I just finished listening to the first book of actually the second book of Dune, the series, the Dune series. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a group of people in in Dune called the Bene Gesserit. They're like, they are these highly trained, they're all women. And so there's, you know, I won't get into the details, but they they have this like mantra that they say when they're afraid. And like their whole thing is about like complete and utter self-control. And so there's this, this mantra that they, they say every time they're afraid. And it basically ends with like, I'm going to like face my fear, let my fear pass through me. And then when I turn around to look at the fear, like there'll be nothing but, there would be nothing left but me. It's like the fear. Once it passes through you, it's gone. Like it doesn't have any power mm-hmm. over you. Yeah. And so when you were talking about that, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking of the Benny Jess written there.
2: Yeah, and, and that wasn't mantras. too nerdy.
1: Okay, good. Well, it's just Dune. <laughs> so it's like it's a really nerdy <laughs> book, but I, I and it's an older one, so I didn't know if not a lot of people have read it.
2: Okay, I love it. I think the hardest part is just like, well, what's going to happen when I actually let myself feel. Fear or anxiety, like I'm actually just sitting with it. Like we think it'll just never go away and it'll just overcome us and we'll be gone.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes we don't realize that we're actually really comfortable feeling that way or feeling anxious. I know, like, when even things like recording sessions come up, I get this pit in my stomach and I start like spiraling in my head, like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna sound so stupid. What am I doing? (laughs) Um, and it's almost like that's I'm so used to it. That yes. That's comfortable. And yeah. what would it look like if I just like calmly went into a recording session and just did yeah. my thing? Yeah. You know, I mean, like you'd have it's kind of scary.
2: Something else, right? If you wanted to feel a different way, like first you'd probably have to notice, all right, I'm feeling anxiety every time. Like, oh, that must just be the habit feeling that my body has every time I go to do this. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, there you are, anxiety. Like, I was expecting you. That's always what I say every time that I go into a situation where I know I'm in a feel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was <expecting> there you. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Like, Hey, how's it going? Like I was expecting you, like you're the pit in my stomach. I love you. You're okay. Like you don't have to change. I'm just going to sit with you. And then like, I can let it sit there. And at the same time, like go into the intentional, like thought that I want to create and feeling that I want to create. So if I wanted to feel calm, a lot of times, like my favorite thought, and you might love this one too, is I'm safe. It's safe to be seen. It's safe to be me. It's safe to be a human. It's safe to be misunderstood. It's safe to not know what to say sometimes. It's just safe. Mm-hmm. It's totally safe. You have to just tell your nervous system because it's on high alert. It's always afraid of something that might happen yeah. to you. And so somebody disapproving of you would be this big, giant, scary thing that it's worried about. And so it's always looking for that to happen. And so you just have to remind it, it would actually be okay. Like it would be safe if somebody didn't understand you or if somebody had different thoughts than you. Mm
1: -hmm. So I'm assuming most of your, um, your clients or the people you work with, they are women, correct?
2: Um, actually I have a lot of male clients too.
1: Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably
2: 30% are male clients and usually I help them with work, but then it, I mean, it comes under the guise of work and then it turns into like, but my family's also driving me crazy. Can you help me feel better at home? (laughs) (laughs) So really I'm, I'm a general life coach who attracts like so many different um, people. And so if they come to me for one thing, we always end up coaching on everything, you know?
1: Right. Because mm-hmm. everything bleeds into each other. And yeah. mm-hmm. Um, have you noticed a difference between how men deal with this versus how women deal with this? Yeah.
2: It's a lot easier for men to, they don't have as many thoughts as women. <laughs> they honestly don't. <laughs> and so like, if there's an opposing thought, like for a woman, like for a reason, they can't do something they'll be like, my mom said that I couldn't. And one time when I was little, like one of my friends, blah, 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 blah. blah they just have like all these reasons. And the man is just like, um, that guy just looks weird. I'm not sure if I can approach him. Like, it's just like one tiny little <laughs>
1: thing. <laughs>
2: and so we just work on that one objection. And they're like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> and they're just, it, it's kind of a lot easier to get into that control mindset because a man's mind is, it just works like with just the basics and like slower methodical, like women just tend to just, everything is so foggy. And so we have to end up categorizing the thoughts as like, all of these thoughts really mean like somebody else told me I wasn't good enough. And all of these thoughts are in the category of like, these are just the habit thoughts that come up and they're normal and they're not true. And so men, it's just like a lot more cut and dry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I
1: That's can similar. see that. So when we talk sometimes about things that, that <laughs> that you're dealing with, Emily. Mm-hmm. Like I do, feel it. Like, like okay, there's so many thoughts here.
0: You're like, yeah. why are there there's so much content about this? Why? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like,
1: like, 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 uh, I almost like want to put a, like a net around it, like catching all these yeah. fish. Like, okay, let's just put them all together yeah. so I can like contain all of this.
2: Yeah. yeah, and every word means something different, and like every sentence is like, like everything's important. Like we have to know, you know, all of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing everything you've shared. I've benefited greatly. Um, the, <laughs> the last thing that we like to ask our guests is how are you as an individual or as a family making your home more of an outpost of heaven and it can be related or not. It could be completely different from what we've talked yeah. about.
2: So lately what I've been doing because I have been reading about the science of thoughts and how they are actual measurable energy. Um I have been praying with visualization. And so and it actually creates a lot more faith because I know that this is how energy works and so I'll say something like um like make all darkness leave our home and actually visualize like all dark energy leaving our home in my mind and replace it with everything that is the highest light and the highest good and everything that Jesus Christ represents and make our home a place where his actual person could walk through the door. And I picture that happening. And I think visualizing it really, um, number one, it makes it feel real. It makes it feel like this is something our family actually could have. And I want to be that family that could have the savior in our home. And then it also points out to you the places that like the energy is not on the same plane, like this part of our home or this part of our routine, like it doesn't really have a place in a home where Jesus Christ could enter because I can see that the light is not the same. The energy is not the Mm -hmm. same. And so that's something I've been doing because Um, it doesn't take very long, but it has a really big impact on my mood. And I know that that influences everybody else. And when I leave it to the savior, then it doesn't feel like I have a long to-do list of like things that I have to do to make my home a different place. It's like, I just create one goalpost. We just keep our eyes on the savior. And then we allow the actions to align themselves. And so if we're really busy one day or really slow one day, it doesn't really matter if we're reading one scripture or no scriptures, or like having an hour long discussion on the scriptures, it doesn't actually matter because our goal is the same. And then that just takes away all the unnecessary guilt and shame that doesn't actually (laughs) bring you closer to Christ anyway. And so it's like a really small
1: thing. That's really effective.
0: That's really powerful. I really like that. Thank you for sharing that.
1: And before we close, Mm -hmm. oh, I guess before we do that, no, we'll do this first. Okay. Sorry. Okay. What's your takeaway?
0: Oh, my, I mean, it's pretty general. It's not like a specific specific, but I just um, need to observe more about what I'm feeling and maybe figure out, okay, is this a pattern? I feel like I've thought this thought several times or I've felt like this. What's like, stay curious. What's going on with, my thoughts and feelings. So.
1: Yeah. Well, I think my takeaway is, uh, usually when I think of like victimhood or like being a victim, I think of it primarily in reference to like interactions with other people. But I think based off this discussion and Nicole can tell me if I'm wrong in this takeaway, <laughs> but, um, to me also giving in to hab- like habitual thought patterns that are bad for you. Um, that is also a form of of victimhood, right? Because we can be victimized by our own, uh, by our own mortal side.
2: We're honestly never victimized by anybody else. Nobody actually can like turn us into a victim. Right. Always the thought that we're having about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So somebody can like say that, like, Oh, in middle school, I was fat shamed because I was fat. And people would tell me like, you're such a cow and there's something wrong with you and stop eating. And normally in society, we'd be like, oh, yeah, like they're totally a victim of bullying. But the truth is they were a victim of their own thoughts that they continued to bully themselves with because that happened one time. And then they had a thought like, oh, their opinion is more important than mine and it must be true. And then mm-hmm. they spent the rest of their lives continuing to bully themselves right. with like mm-hmm. I shouldn't eat this. There's something wrong with me. Everybody thinks I'm ugly over and over and over and over again. Right. And so once you realize that you have been the biggest bully in your own life, you're like, wow, why would I want to keep doing that? And I want to change that. And then it doesn't really matter if something happens like one time and you're like, okay, am I going to continue to use this as like a a reason why I'm awful and why there's something wrong with me? Or like, am I going to be like, wow, that was rude. And like, but what do I think of myself?
1: Right. Yeah. yeah no, I like to think realizing that we are really the only person that can can victimize our ourselves and really like the, we're, we're the primary victimizer, right?
2: Yeah.
1: That's cool. All right. Uh, where can our listeners find you? if They want to skip more of this good content.
2: I'm always hanging out on Instagram at thought boss coaching. That's pretty much the only place you can find me because I never email my people, but that's the best <laughs> it's, it's I just got a care. bunch of fun reels. So yeah, lots of fun reels. And just like, so many things. Like if you scroll back through my content, you can watch it for hours and hours and be like a different person from all the
0: content on there. Okay. Yeah. And the podcast is really great too. Lots, yeah. lots of good stuff there. Thank you. So, yeah. You're I just posted an episode the other day. I don't remember what it's called. But it's good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. We really appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was so nice to meet you guys. You too
1: alright guys well uh, we love you do all the good things take some of these lessons and, and uh, try and better yourself keep yourself from being a victim ok alright keep the faith <laughs> bye bye <laughs>